Sweet Home Prepping 2.0. Answers to Patreon's questions. And they are good ones this week. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two. One. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on this show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. You guys love episodes where Patreons pick the topics by asking us questions. Well, that's what you're going to get in this episode. In particular, we're going to give a detailed answer to a question about the various jobs that need to be done at a bug out location. This is a very popular topic. We also debut a funny new segment for the after show called quote page. And finally, we also give you the website for ordering our new book, Food Preps 2.0. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. We're starting to feel it. We're coming out of the deep freeze. It was 40 degrees above zero. Which was nice. So all this ice is melt. Oh my gosh, the chickens came out and said, oh my gosh, we can breathe now. So I'm starting to get the planting bug. Mm-hmm. As you, we all should, as we get ready to plan our summer gardens. This is a great time of year to start them out in your trays. Get your seeds out, start planting what you're going to plant. And I can't think of a better place to go check out for good, hardy seeds, a survival garden seeds. We've had them on our show. They sponsor our mm-hmm. show. We love their seeds. Check them out at our website, prepping2-0.com. There's a nice little coupon code over there for some of their bulk packs. Yes, they're on the tab called Friends and Affiliates. Top 100 items that disappear first. This is from a list from Bosnia Survivors. It's available on our website, prepping2-0.com, under appropriately titled the heading, Top 100 List of Things. This week, it's number 48, plastic garbage cans. They're great for storage, great for water assuming you've not put garbage in them. And when you get the wheeled garbage cans, they are great for transporting things. A friend of mine, formerly in the special operations community, told me that plastic garbage cans with wheels on them were uh, very valuable and highly sought after in some of the places in which he was deployed. And I take note of things like that. When you're in austere conditions, what really works, what's really valuable. And I kind of tuck that away. And so I then tell people the story on the top 100 items. Absolutely. Here's what you missed from a recent after show. If you're not a Patreon, one of the characters would notice that there are some bad people organizing his local defense force. And I think that is something that we all need to be careful of. Mm -hmm. It's not just rah, rah, rah. We live out in the country everything is good because it's us country people doing it aren't you just a little curious what the funny quote page segment is well patreon's gonna hear it two dollars a month go to prepping2-0.com and click on the patreon button or just get on the googles and search for prepping 2.0 and patreon Big announcement. We've told you about the book, our new book. Yes, We're Glenn and Shelby so have a new excited. book. excited. You have no idea. It took three years to write. It is, candidly, it's awesome. It's kind of awesome. And we waited until it was awesome. The website for ordering is foodpreps2-0.com. Now, you can always go on Amazon. That's the exclusively where you get it in a Kindle or a hard copy thing. So we're not saying don't go to Amazon. Go to Amazon and search Food Preps 2.0, and you'll find it. Or if you want to get there directly, you can go to our specially made website for this book, foodpreps2-0.com. We're still kind of constructing all of the ways to get to it. There will eventually, I'm sure, be a button on our regular Prepping 2-0. So just, yeah. But if you're like in a hurry, foodpreps2-0.com is your best place to start. Foodpreps2-0.com. Yes. Okay, you guys know about our episodes where we answer Patreon questions, so let's get right into them. First one we have is from Jay Powell. I wonder if that's a reference to Jerome Powell, the uh, chair of the Federal Reserve. Chairman Powell, thank you for listening to the show. If you listen to the show, you maybe would do your job differently and quit printing up so much phony money. Anyway, how do we see issues in the Red Sea affecting supply chains in the U.S.? Anything specific beyond the normal prep you see as a must need to stock up on with the war in the Middle East ratcheting up? I would say a couple things that are perhaps anticlimactic. First of all, big picture, it's important to keep track of world events because they are harbingers of things to come. Great example of that 
the COVID stuff we had Dan, the food industry executive on, and he told us exactly what was going to happen. And importantly, he told us why it was going to happen. So you have a fuller understanding. And so I'm not saying don't look at world events. However, don't look at world events and focus in too much on them. Yes, there are supply chain issues in the Red Sea. The Iran-backed Houthi terrorists out of Yemen are firing on Western ships and are hitting some. A lot of shipping companies have either scaled back or cut out entirely their shipments through the Red Sea. It is going to cause some supply chain problems it usually takes a couple of weeks or a couple of months to feel these things. It's not a total close off of all maritime shipping traffic. And that's the important thing. So when I say, yes, look at world events, don't focus too much. In other words, realize that, yes, the Red Sea is an important shipping lane, especially for oil, but it is not the only one. And shipping companies can go through the Panama Canal. They can go other ways. They can go around, you know, South Africa. They can do stuff. And it's not as one-dimensional as it may seem, so it will probably have an effect, but it's not, and I'm not suggesting j is saying this, but it's not going to cut off all shipping all at once. That would obviously be a huge problem. I don't see any specific items that are going mm -hmm. to be more scarce than others. I think it's just another example of stuff to prep for. What do you think, Shelby? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Who I've really been paying attention to on this because he has some skin in the game is uh, Ben Shapiro. He talks about this a lot on yeah. his podcast and all of the things that he does. He's Jewish, so yeah. he really pays attention to what's happening over there. And he's talked a lot about it and the world stage that that the Red Sea is and how important it is. And I'm kind of with you on that though. Right now we're not feeling over here the effects of it, but we will soon, I think, in the sense of think about two or three years ago when we had ships sitting off our coasts that couldn't right. come into- All of our, and see, that's a key distinction. It was all of our ports were backlogged. Long Beach in LA was particularly backlogged. And the East Coast as well. And the East Coast, but it was way more ports and it was way more comprehensive of a right. disruption than the Red Sea. So I think it's comparable to that. It could get to that point, especially if things keep getting spicy over there. So think about how things affected us here. So for us personally here, it didn't affect our preps so much as I remember we were trying to order some cabinet parts that yeah. came from Europe. Then they were sitting out there in a boat for six or eight months. You know, it's kind of the specialty things where we get things from Europe and the Middle East. So and when you compound that with inflation right now, I think it can get problematic. I don't think as preppers, though, I don't think it's going to affect our water supply or food supply. Yeah. Other things Necessities like that. of life will probably not be affected. One mm -hmm. of the things and I just thought of this, I often think of things when I'm listening to you and we're doing this show. It's my thinking time is, you know, recorded. I think that. We're now more used to supply disruptions. It was quite a shock back oh, in yes. 2021 when, for example, standard you know cabinet hardware took months to come from Europe. I think we're more adapted to it. I think we're used to looking for substitutes mm -hmm. uh, for things. And I think that's what we did with the cabinet hardware. That's uh, exactly what we did. Exactly. And so there are workarounds, whether it's other sea lanes or people doing substitutions. The other thing is with all the Bidenflation and all the scarcity of things, I'm not sure that people are going to feel it as much. It was such a shock when it happened for the first time. I think we're going to feel the inflation that comes yeah. from it more. The inflation is what's hurting people yeah. right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why don't you uh, read Happy Dude 63? Happy Dude 63 kind of goes into some personal stuff that I want to kind of protect him from. So I'm going to distill it down. He talks about relationships. Dating. Dating relationships. And the final question is, is, what safeguards would you suggest I put into place to prevent getting had? So we talked about this in a show from a long time ago. First of all, episode... Two shows. Two shows. So we did... Oh, I got to... It was episode three, and then we did a, another show a couple years later, and I want to say it was episode 127, How to Not Get Had in Relationships During a Collapse. Yeah, so, and you can go on prepping2-0.com, click on the magnifying yes. glass at the top, the search thing, look for the word advantage, and maybe men and women. And basically what we did, it wasn't specifically 
modern times sort of dating advice because we don't give dating advice. Yes, no. Um, it was more about in collapses, both one that could be coming to the United States and then also how it goes in other parts of the world and at other times. Mm -hmm. Men taking advantage of women and women taking advantage of men. And it's a topic that a lot of people don't really ever think about because candidly stuff between men and women goes pretty well like right now i mean double checked it's 127 episode 127 okay. yeah yeah so there you go so our thoughts are in there and it's too broad of a topic yeah. to get into here so that's the cool thing you know we do and we'll do it later on in segment 2 the archive dive where we go back and we look mm -hmm. at past episodes we're not just saying it to sound cool but you guys should always use that little magnifying glass, the little search feature. And if you've got a topic in mind, go ahead and look at that. And if you're a Patreon, the search feature for Patreon posts is even better because we add text to the Patreon post. We'll say this is about men and taking advantage of what there's more search terms in there because we've covered a lot of topics and we've done a pretty good job about it. Plus, we respect your time. We're not going to repeat something that we've already said. So, you know, and I'm not saying don't ask questions. When Patreons get to ask us questions, we love it because of the variety of topics. So I'm not being like the librarian at your school back in the day that said, why don't you look in the card catalog and figure it out for yourself? I'm not saying that. No. Even in a weird voice, I'm not saying that. Well, and going back to Happy Dude 63's question, that's a good question to ask. When I think about kind of his question with that, think about in past collapse times, where my mind goes is honestly World War II in Europe, the best spies during that time mm -hmm. for either side were beautiful women mm -hmm. that use their womenly ways mm -hmm. to create chaos. Mm -hmm. and to get stuff yeah. done. So that's something to really consider. So I think it's a good question. So let's go on to the next one. Seth Mattox asks us, when you ponder the idea of the 2024 presidential election, does it happen? He says, personally, I question whether it will or not. Have you heard, seen, or looked into goldbacks? If so, what is your impressions or thoughts on this? If you had the choice in an SHTF scenario, would you bug in or out? Well, several questions. We'll mm -hmm. unpack those. I think there will be a 2024 presidential election. I think it is fair to say that the left is going to do everything it can to prevent Donald Trump from getting elected. We've already seen that. We have four criminal indictments, all four of which are silliness and dumb and unfounded. But it's a big stretch to say that they will cancel the election. Now, is it possible? I guess so. But I always go back to this. The more dramatic something is, the less likely it is to occur. I want to add to that. And we talked about it in a recent show, though, too. In this country, if you cancel, somehow yeah. postpone, take an election out, Things get really... People don't un dig that. We don't dig that. And the left knows that. So they will do what they've done historically yeah. and mess everything up, up to that. Up to, up to that. Yeah. They will do everything. They will delegitimize. Is that a word? They yes, will it is. undermine. They will cheat. They will fill in the blank. So we will go through the exercise of an election that may right. not be legitimate. But if they cancel it, they know stuff gets really real at that point. Yeah. And... As jaded as I am, I mm -hmm. just can't imagine President Biden saying to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, get ready for the massive rioting and looting that's going to happen because I'm going to cancel the election. As political as the top brass of the military are, and they are very political, oh gosh, yes. I just can't see them saying, okie dokie, sir. I just <laughs> think that there are too many people, even people that we don't like and that we disagree with who just can't pull that trigger because it would be so, so terrible. It's so fundamental to us as Americans, yeah. Have I seen or looked into goldbacks? Nope, don't know what it is. I probably should. And then a giant question in your last sentence, if I had a choice in an SHTF scenario, would I bug in or bug out? We did an entire episode on that. I believe it was episode 101. It was bugging out 101. That's probably why I thought it was 101. Okay, keep going yeah, and I'll okay. double check. And it was all about the myriad of criteria for answering this question. It is complicated. It depends on your own personal situation. The starting point is where you live and what setup you have. Do you have an episode number for I do. Me? Episode 32. We talk about what? a big topic, when was, and how to bug out. Yes. Was I off? <laughs> yeah. Episode 32. 32. Keep going. And which I would have, have been thoughts. 2019 or something like that. Yep. 
So it's a complicated question. It is best dealt with in episode 32. And it's really good that you're thinking about Mm -hmm. it now because if you start thinking about this when stuff is going badly and everybody else is thinking about this, it's too late. By definition, if everybody else is on the highway trying to get to granny's house out in the country, by definition, it's too late. You waited too long. You have the luxury of peacetime right now, and you can figure this out under pristine conditions, and then you can sleep on it, think about it some more, talk to some people, listen to podcasts, whatever you want to do. To kind of boil it down, because I don't want to rehash that whole episode, as a general rule, you and I, where we live, we will bug in because we're in a great location. People are planning to come to us. We know who they are. And we've always felt that way. But we've always, always had the plan. What if we have to bug out? Backup plan. Backup plan. And here's the best example because of natural disasters. Yeah. You know, we may not have troops or, you know, gangs coming down our road at us, but wildfires, flooding, all of those things can always happen. And and my best example of this that always keeps my mind in check on this, let's go back about three, four years to the huge wildfires they happen every year. But the one that happened in Paradise, California, Mm -hmm. where the entire town was just burnt to the ground, several people, I want to say a couple hundred. A couple dozen. Yes, a couple dozen people were killed in their cars trying to escape. It was that fast and furious of a fire. And I remember watching on social media in my little freeze dryer group that I'm in, this woman's house is burned down. And she said she was so sad because everything burned down. And she said the whole plan was that everyone had always come to our place if they had to bug out. And I actually had to bug out. So all of her preps were burned up. Like she had freeze dried years and years of food and it was all gone. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking you always need to be ready to do both, but you might lean one way or the other. I certainly believe if you're in an urban environment, a city environment, you always need to be prepared to bug out. Always. Right. I mean, that's your presumptive plan is bugging out. Now, how you do it, where you go, how you get there, what you take with you. Those are all things that are going to vary Based on your situation. And we cover in that whole entire episode, yeah. I would cap off that question by saying this. The most important thing in the question of bugging out or bugging in is being open to whatever idea it is that you don't want to do. If you are very comfortable and you don't want to bug out, it is imperative that you be open to bugging out and you not just be reinforcing your desires. If your big plan is to bug out, you need to be comfortable with the idea that maybe it doesn't make sense to bug out and you should be prepared to do what you kind of don't want to do, which is maybe bugging in. So being flexible and not getting anchored down to a particular vision. And I have to say, one of the few times I will say this, prepper fiction is not really good for people when it comes to this decision making. A lot of people will read 299 Days and A Great State and they'll say, wow, that's kind of the scenario. That's kind of how it's going to be because it makes sense and it's a story and it's unfolding. Mm -hmm. And those storylines are there to illustrate a variety of things. That isn't to say that you should base a life or death decision on what is a common storyline in a fiction book. That's really not a good way to make a decision. It can certainly inform your decision, but Don't get caught up in trying to live out a book. But it does give you an example of ways. It can certainly open up your tracks of thinking. So, yeah, it's a complicated issue. And I really appreciate that we spent a whole show on that. So let's go to the next question. Mark Rossman. He says, I hear Glenn talk about his team training. My question is, what type of training do you do as a group? What drills? Where do you train? Urban, rural, or both? I'm not even sure where to start with such training. I have to be candid. I think that's a good way to live. The team is not doing training now. We live in various places and everybody wants the story of Mm -hmm. that's in 299 days to still be true. And it's not. But I will jump in and say this because I became an honorary team member when I married Glenn. Yeah. It's true. Married into the team. Married into the team. I was voted in though too. So I think that's legitimate. I I lobbied for that. Watching the team, especially when I kind of came in later in the years, training came from, there's some bushcrafting that we did. Mm Mm-hmm. There is urban training that we did. We had some police officer training, how to clear rooms. Mm -hmm. So how do you start with that? 
like pipe into some of your local groups that have bushcrafting classes and join in as a group into some of these classes. See if you can find a TCCC training at your local emergency. TCCC training is how to stop bleeding, severe bleeding, like wound bleeding and arterial bleeding. Combat medicine. Exactly. Tap into some of those and start asking people, hey, do you do these other sorts of trainings? I would start there. That's a thought. And as I say this, I will ask Shelby to look on the magnifying glass on the website. We did two episodes on the Spokane team. And it is an extremely well-run preparedness mutual assistance group. I mean, extremely well-run. And we had their guys on. Episode 20. Episode 20. I thought it was two, but I guess it's one. It's got two in it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So episode 20, listen to that. That is the best description of, I would say, the optimal conditions leading to the optimal results, because those guys have it dialed in. They still exist. They still do good stuff. It all depends. Like I just said with bugging Mm -hmm. in or out, it all depends on a variety of things. Number one, who you have on your team, that dictates which direction you go. I mean, and by that, I don't mean how many green berets and seals do you have? Because that's not realistic. It's more like how much time do people have? Are their spouses cool with it? How much money do you have? That's Mm -hmm. a factor. These are all things that are real limiting factors. And so those dictate more of what it is. Well, and as you learn things as a group, you'll go on and learn other things like your team, that team learned a lot of the room clearing and kind of running and gunning kind of stuff. Now it's more, we know how to do all of that. Let's get our ham licenses. And then we all moved on to- Yeah, we progressed. Yeah, and then let's start growing some food because the running and gunning thing, we're getting old, right? So it progresses too. So don't feel like you have just one task and that it stays static for a short time. I'm glad you brought that up. Two points about that. First of all, Don't have a team and training with your team become just a way to do stuff you want to do. And this is primarily directed at guys and guns because it's too easy to say, we're just going to shoot all the time and that's all we're going to do. Please shoot a lot. It's great. But there are more aspects to this. And second of all, this gets to the topic we're going to answer in a big way coming up in segment two Mm -hmm. about the different roles. We count 15 of them. And we talk about each one of them in the answer to our question. Roles at a bug out location, which are the same as skill sets and Mm -hmm. things you want to know as a team. And let me tell you, guns is only one out of 15. So keep that in mind. It's really situation dependent. And I wish I've been asked a million times, please write a book like a nonfiction how to book, how to form a team, how to train a team. And I just can't do it because there's no pat answer to that. So I would say at least start somewhere. If I yeah. can answer that question. Start, yeah, get, please get, do. All of y'all need to like go practice at the local gun range. Go take a teach because gun skills are always good. First aid, combat first aid is always good. And then go out and then kind of branch out from there where you want to go, especially if you're starting in the super duper beginnings of it. Start somewhere. Go take a camping trip together and all learn how to start a fire together. Right. Bushcrafty exactly. stuff. Bonding. So, so, folks, we have so many more questions to talk about after the break. Don't go away. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One Water Filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One Water Filter Gravity Systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, Make solid and affordable body armor for normal people. 
Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself and save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times, the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love new mana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome, everyone. Of course, as always, thank you for rejoining us. We're just getting started with our answers to Patreon's questions, and they are goodens this week. For even more, though, stick around for the after show, especially if you're a Patreon supporter. Got a call this morning from Paul Burke. He's an Idaho realtor, fantastic guy. His information, especially his cell phone number, he actually answers his cell phone, is on prepping2-0.com under friends and affiliates. Paul said, loved the mushroom episode. Didn't think I would because it kind of seemed like a weird topic, but guess what? How have I never heard about mushrooms for prepping? I said, I know, I know. It's one of these things. It was awesome. It was last week's show, if anyone's wondering. Yeah, that's right. And it was a great show. So thank you, Paul, and love your calls. Thank you so much. Archive Dive of the Week, episode 118, which aired in February of 2021, was prepping in Canada, differences and similarities. I got to tell you, you learn your own home language, your first language by learning another language. It helps you figure out your first language. Same kind of thing when it comes to looking at prepping in another country. You figure out your prepping situation in the U.S. when you look at Canada and you see the similarities and the differences. Some of the differences surprise me. Some of the similarities surprise me. But the overall take from this was prepping's prepping anywhere in the world you are because Everywhere in the world has fragile systems that are very vulnerable to disruptions. And more importantly, people are people everywhere in the world. And they all kind of act the same, which is usually most of them are bad and try to take your stuff. So there's that. Well, we want to resume here with our next Patreon question from Beesky. Go ahead and read it, Shelby. I'm going to read it to Glenn because Glenn's the expert on the Constitution. Not the expert, but like... Between the two of us, I'd say I know more. Well, I'm here at Prepping 2.0. You are the expert. Okay. I just was making sure you didn't mean like in the world. No. Oh, no. Here. Okay. In-house. Okay. All right. 
From Bisky, since Texas is trying to do what the federal government should be doing according to Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, protect our borders and the states within it, and the courts seeming to rule in favor of the government and illegal aliens, what are the odds that something bad happens between Texas DPS and CPB, basically the state and the feds? If something does, what are your thoughts on where that might lead? Great question. Let's unpack each sentence because there's a lot of goodness in every single sentence here. He mentions Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution. Not a lot of people know this, but it says, and I paraphrase, the federal government shall guarantee to the states a Republican form of government. What does that mean that it's Republican Party? No, it means a republic as opposed to a democracy. But anyway, and then it says, comma, in constitutions and statutes, commas are very important. It says the federal government shall ensure that states are not invaded. Now, Governor Abbott in Texas, who I initially thought was kind of a rhino squish, I think he's doing a magnificent job. When he sent those illegals to Martha's Vineyard and let the rich people freak out and show that they weren't nearly as open-minded as their sanctuary city status would indicate, I thought that was political brilliance. He's done it again by putting up razor wire. But Governor Abbott has done, in my mind, the correct thing, which is incrementally tried various things that started off being completely non-threatening. It was like, hey, Mr. President, we're being invaded here. Here's some statistics. He has hand-delivered eight letters to Joe Biden and never received a response, which is politically very rude, I might add. But anyway, so he's sort of ratcheted this up and he's trying to accomplish what he needs to accomplish, which is his state not being invaded. He's doing it very incrementally. And I applaud him for that because that's the way to go about this stuff. So he's come to a point where he has said full on invasion. 50 counties in Texas have declared that there's an invasion. There's a statewide declaration of invasion, which, by the way, is just an odd phrase to say a statewide declaration of invasion. But if you live in Texas and you're trying to manage this, it is untenable right now. Yeah, it is crisis Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't realize that because the cameras aren't down there, but it is. Yeah. So this thing about the federal government has to guarantee that states aren't invaded is actually in play because it's an actual invasion. So there's that. And then he says the courts seeming to rule in favor of the government and the illegal aliens. Kind of true, but not necessarily true. The Supreme Court said that they required during this case that's ongoing because the feds sued Texas over the razor wire. The Supreme Court said, while the case is going on, Texas needs to cut the wire. That's different than ultimately ruling that Texas needs to cut the wire. Now, that's probably what the ruling's gonna be. I'm not splitting hairs here, but it's not an actual loss yet. So that's important to remember. And then he gets to the heart of the question. What are the odds that something bad happens between Texas and the federal government? Much like we said in segment one, the more dramatic something is, the less likely it is to occur. And state and federal forces fighting each other would be extremely dramatic and therefore and awful and awful and nobody should want it. And by the way, if you think you want it, you need to talk to special forces, Ted, and to some of the other guys that I've talked to that have lived through stuff like this. And you're not going to want it. You need to be prepared for it, but you shouldn't want it anyway. In politics and law, there are so many unseen workarounds. And I could give you a bunch of examples, but I'll just stick to the one that we have in front of us, which is Texas and the federal government. There are all kinds of ways for these two sides to not fight each other because neither side wants to fight each other. I think Texas is prepared to fight because a good chunk of the federal government is not going to sign on to invading Texas. I just don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. I have too much faith in the rank and file members of the military. Now, the upper level brass, not so much confidence. So I don't see that. The federal government really does not want to use force against Texas, not because the federal government and the left that controls it are nice people. They would love to snuff out Texas. They think we're the smellies, we're the Walmarts, we're the deplorables. They've called us vermin and other things. So they hate us. Let's be clear. I'm talking about the extreme left, not that Democrat that lives you know, next to you. That's not your problem. Your problem is the extreme left running this country. They absolutely hate you. So would the feds want to go and destroy Texas state forces? Uh, yeah. I just don't see them doing it because there's going to be somebody 
somewhere in a conference room if Joe Biden or whoever's running the government said to the Joint Chiefs, all right, drop an invasion plan for Texas. We're going to invade Texas and we're going to start shooting Texas National Guard, Texas State Guard, which has its own guard that's not controlled by the president. The National Guard can be federalized and controlled by the president. Not a lot of people know that, but it could happen. In that planning meeting, someone as left-wing as the Joint Chiefs of Staff are, someone is going to raise his or her hand and say, Mr. President, this is a terrible idea. This is going to backfire. Or they just nod to the president because they know he's not really in charge and they go do what they want. Anyway, I'm not counting on the federal military being awesome, but I'm saying it's more likely that they would understand what they would be unleashing because let's not even say it out loud. We all know the awfulness that would be unleashed. So let me throw a little wrinkle in that, what you're saying there, Glenn. Your experience, my experience, our experience between you and I, when we've had moments that we're able to talk candidly with Border Patrol agents. Yeah. If they have a choice and if things were to get that spicy where we have uh, squaring off, I see Border Patrol agents going... See ya. Well, it's funny you mention that because it, yes. today, January 27th, when we're recording this, the Border Patrol Union has said they will not use force against Texas state forces, and which means the president would need to bring in other federal agents. And there's one federal agency uh, that comes to mind that is uh, pretty loyal to uh, Joe Biden and does exactly what he says, even when it's illegal. You know who you are. And so that could happen. But I don't think Border Patrol guys, just because their boss tells them to, are going to start even arresting people. I mean, forget the shooting part, because that's just... That's insane. That's insane. So you got that. Here's another thing I love about this situation. Now, the potential for violence is not what I love, but the political side of this I love. Texas Governor Abbott has once again, much like shipping illegals to Martha's Vineyard, his putting up razor wire is absolutely brilliant because now Biden has to choose whether Biden is going to cut it down and let illegals stream in. You know, the video of that would be etched in people's Mm -hmm. minds for one or two generations. They would say, this is crazy. You're cutting a fence. It's bad enough you took the wall down. But when you see that video of them with bolt cutters cutting the stuff, and people flooding in, it's going to be horrible for Biden and for all the Democrats. Conversely, Biden could choose to back down and not go and do this, which is kind of where I think this is headed. Well, and it's funny you should use that word because all of us, as we watch this happen, and definitely as much as you can watch it happen or find a news source, it's going to have to be a secondary source because the primary ones are not talking about it. What's happening? We have two bullies on the playground squaring off right now. That's between. I don't think Texas is a bully, but I no, understand but, what you're saying. You know, two, two tough guys. Two tough guys on the playground squaring off. So in our minds, because we've all been on that same playground, who's going to back down? You're saying Biden is and I his handlers. I think it's more likely. We know yes. Texas isn't backing down. Nope. And Biden has a ton to lose. Yes. And I don't see and it. So. Had, and he's also up for election this year. And this is a huge Security at our border is not just a Republican issue. No. Democrats are getting kind yeah. of mad about it as well. Independents are off the charts Absolutely. furious about this. So anyway, that's what I think is that it's not going to be a kickoff. Now, I will disappoint people by saying that. I know because the opening chapters of 299 Days kind of predicted all of this stuff. And it's always possible. Yep. And it was a good setting for a book about preparedness. But that doesn't mean just because... I wrote something as fiction 10 years ago that it's going to come true. I hate to disappoint everybody. But when you think about scenarios, and we do as preppers, we always think about the worst case scenario. And you should plan. That's why we prep. We plan for and prep for the worst case scenario. 95% of the time, it's somewhere between here and there that actually happens. Right. So I don't think the worst case scenario certainly is going to happen here where we have some spicy things happen. I think it's going to be somewhere between here and there, though. It'll be interesting to watch this year because there's a lot of factors into this. It's not just the scoring off of these two agencies, but it's also it's an election year. Polling. What's a popular issue? Who -hmm. wants to get reelected? These are all the nuances I was talking about. Yes. All right. Our next question is going to be a long answer because it's a great question. And the answer we have is detailed and, might I say, very helpful. 
That is seven Delta Mike says, what are the essential skills that should be covered in a mutual assistance group? Not that everyone in the group has to know these skills, but at least one or two should know these skills for long-term This is success. an awesome question. Yes, we did two, well, one episode on this, episode 105, which aired on November, 2020. And then it was rebroadcast recently in late December, 2023. It was rebroadcast as episode 269. And it is our discussion, identifying, listing, and discussion of the 15 jobs or roles at a bug out location that need to be taken care of. Now, let's say in the very beginning of this, we're not saying you need 15 people. A person can do multiple. Oh, of yeah, these roles. absolutely. First, oh, if you're a patron, in the Patreon post that has the after show, we're going to type out one through 15. Perfect. So you're going to get the list, you know, for keepsies. So if you're not a Patreon, become one or get out a pen and paper. Yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Number one, you can imagine it's food. Okay, well, what does that mean? Inventorying, assembling stored food, cooking, and cleaning. That sounds like a systemic approach that's covered in a book. This was not pre-rehearsed. That is the food preps 2.0 system that we talk about. Oh my gosh. About beginning to end, thinking about what you're going to need all the way down to washing the pots and pans when you've taken this care of it. Meal huge, planning, yes. how many calories you need, what kind of food you need, how you store it, how you inventory it, and how you go out and get it. And so these are the jobs, and we're going to say at a bug out location, I think that's probably the scenario most people are thinking of. I think- this is a unique situation where you've got a job that is going to take one person full time. I think that it's a full time job. You know, it's more than cooking. It's keeping track of the stuff. It's the meal planning. It's the cleaning. It's all. I would that say stuff. yes. One person in charge, and maybe a, a secondary helper. Jo- a helper job for somebody you might have. Like there might be somebody who's also. We're going to talk about like the water boy, water girl. It yeah. could be like a secondary. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you should count on having at least one person Mm -hmm. devoted to this. And it's more than just cooking and all of that other stuff. When you inventory your food properly, you're going to have it in, in our case, stacked in tubs. And when you do meal planning, which is something your food person's going to do, you're going to have to be pulling out food from maybe tubs that have other tubs on top of them. So it's not like just going to the grocery store or going to Costco and getting Hot Pockets. There's actually going to be some effort involved in getting the food ready to cook. So number one is food. Any other thoughts on that, Shelby, after writing this book? No, I think that if you're like, okay, uh, yeah, foodpreps2-0.com, think about buying the book. I might add to this that the person doing food at a bug out location would also have a role before the situation unfolds that leads people to the bug out location. And that would be, I think you need somebody in charge of this topic, this element, as I call it, to prepping, who's getting the food, storing the food, preserving the food, inventorying the food. This is one of those roles, and this is an exception to the rule, where you need someone pre-disruption to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Other things people can pick up on on the fly as we'll get into. Right. Well, and yeah, you need to have all of that in place so that when stuff goes south, you have food to actually deal with. Yes. And I should have said this earlier, and it's never too late. So let me say this, that the reason you need somebody tasked with doing this, who comes up with their own system, so it's innate to them, they understand it, is that when you're doing all the things you're going to need to be doing, chopping wood, guarding things, bartering, when you're doing all the things you need to do, you don't have time to go and move those tubs around and find that freeze-dried lasagna. That's not something you can do. And oh my goodness, do you mean that we're going to have somebody that primarily cooks? Like that's so sexist. First of all, nobody said it had to be a woman. And second of all, it's how it's going to work. You know, because you're not going to be able to go to Costco and get the Hot Pockets and do the other things. You're going to have to completely rethink what it is you do and what it is other people do because all that's going to change. So you need to have people that when you are, you know, you're the heating guy. We'll talk about that in a moment. And you're out cutting wood all day, finding wood, cutting wood, whatever it may be, that you don't have to then go 
and try to cook because you can't do both. And I was thinking about the question we had earlier about where does a mutual assistance group start? This is this, this is, is yeah. It. Start thinking about. You got to cover these things in your yes, in your mutual assistance group. So get some training on this. Get some training on some of these other things that we talk about. So go ahead. Exactly, and this is a shorter version. This is not a whole episode, but moving on to number two, food production, and by that we mean gardening, livestock, fishing, hunting, and butchering. Because it's one thing shooting a deer is super easy. I mean. The gun part is like a tenth of a percent of the effort. Gutting it and preserving it is a whole nother Exactly. Factor. It's a system. And we talk about this a lot in Food Preps 2.0. So you've got to have somebody who's constantly doing this. I'm not sure food production is something that one person needs to be devoted. That's their only job. But you're going to need somebody doing this. Well, here's a good example of how jobs can also change. Food production, like this time of year here in Western Montana... Not a lot of food. Not a lot of, a lot food. of snow production. Yeah, not, not a lot, a lot of food, of food production. production. Some of these are seasonal, like in the summer. Right, exactly. Exactly. So we brought this up because number one was food, sort of assembled food. And number two is food production. You need both. Mm -hmm. You can't, and Shelby said it so brilliantly so many times, you can't store up enough food for the rest of your life. You just can't. It's impossible. At some point, you switch to sustainability and production. And yep. you blend the two. Maybe yes. your first year, you're relying on a lot of assembled food. And maybe in year two, less so, but you've brought into production some gardening, some livestock, hunting, fishing, that kind of stuff. So think about that. Food production is number two. For those of you taking notes at home, number three is security. This is where all the dudes like to hang out yeah, and play. That's right. This, this is, is the running thing. and gunning. And you need to think of security. I view security as primarily defensive. There might be an offensive element to it, but if you think that a collapse means you're going to be a marauder and go out and steal stuff and take advantage of people, please quit listening to the show because we're not talking to you. We're not trying to encourage you. We're not trying to give you information. That is a terrible idea. 90% defensive. And the offensive part would only be, here's a scenario that illustrates it well. There's a motorcycle gang rumbling through your subdivision and in a couple hours they're going to be coming down your street. You might want to, you know, prevent them from coming down your street by taking active measures. That's what we're talking about. Well, and everyone, in my mind, everyone to some degree in your group, wherever you're hunkered down, needs to have some sort of defensive training. Yeah. The person who's doing food needs to be able to defend whatever, need to be able to defend your food. That's correct. And that's a great point. I was saying you need to have somebody who focuses on this. Obviously, there's going to be cross training and defense is a classic example. I think ideally everyone at your bug out location should probably have a sidearm. Just because yep. you never know. I mean, the cook could get attacked. And so you got to have a sidearm. So a lot of defensive stuff and defensive stuff requires a lot of work and a lot of time. And it's not cool because it's not firefights, right? So it's like observation stuff and communications. We'll get into that. But it's like working with others. It's a show of force, deterrence, you know, gate guards. That was the thing in 299 days. A lot of really boring shifts where nothing happens. And so you're going to need dedicated security people who need to be fed. You can't go on patrol for 12 hours and then try to baste a turkey. It's just not going to happen. So mm. you're going to need that. So security. Here's number four is something that nobody talks about. You see this theme? I keep saying this. It's like, why are we the only ones talking about mushrooms in Canada and the following? And that's someone who does keys, codes, safes, and is the bolt cutter guy or woman. And that covers a lot of things. Yeah. Getting in and out of things, I guess, is the way to look at that. Right. And the reason you need somebody who has all the keys or the codes to gates or whatever and can get into safes is when you need to get through a gate or you need to get in a door or you need to get into a safe, you got to do it right now. You can't have somebody fumbling around, you know, with like the janitor set of keys, like, which key is it? I don't know. You got to have somebody specialized. This is a smaller role, not in importance, but in time, because somebody can just have this stuff. You got one person, probably want to back up. So there you go. Number four. Go ahead. Number five, 
water boy, water girl, someone to haul the water because you need to assume at some point the plumbing stops working. That's hard work. Yeah. And treating the water. Yes. And, and storing the water. Uh, we had a great episode it. on water. We did a rebroadcast of it. We even have a document that has the outline to the show, mm-hmm. which has a ton of information for you. But you can't be trying to do water. You can't sit there and go, um, okay, I'm going to do part-time water. Here's a jug of water. And then, oh my goodness, there's some motorcycle gangs. So you grab your gun and you go and you take care of that. And you come back a couple hours and you forget, is this water treated or not? And then you go, well, let's go ahead and take let's a risk and you drink happens. it and then you get really sick or whatever. So you've got to have somebody dedicated to this. We're going to speed up a little bit here because I want to get a little bit more through this yeah. list. So the next one is kind of secondary to water, but important sanitation, garbage, latrines, showers, hand washing, cleaning clothes, keeping things sanitary so that you don't have disease, illness, sickness. This is really important. And you need to have some training in this. How do you disinfect things? And that's where some of those medical TCCC sorts of classes can help you out with that. Which is number seven, medical. So we'll go through this, the remaining few here by the end of segment two. And then we got more great questions in the after show. Mm -hmm. Number seven, medical, first aid and preventative medicine. That is something that you need somebody who knows what they're doing. uh, And People should be Mm cross-trained. Number eight, communications. We've done entire episodes. I I commend Pam Radio uh, to you. It's it's pam-radio.com. It's a set of uh, electronic flashcards I did. Everything you need to know about this. You need tactical level communications, neighborhood level communications, and sort of a dispatch service. Number nine, you need somebody doing electrical stuff. Why? What do you mean? Generators, battery banks, and batteries for devices. All of these require maintenance. All of these require you keeping attention up to date to yeah. and they and they require attention. Number 10, you need a heating person. That's primarily firewood. Number 11, maintenance. Somebody needs to fix things and maintain tools. Number 12, I call it facilities manager. And that's someone who coordinates all the people doing all these jobs. And then here's one that never gets mentioned, administrative and financial. That's a thing. Um, there's still going to be money and there's still going to be stuff. Number 14, always overlooked because it's not an interesting topic. It's incredibly topic. important. Childcare. You, if you have kids around, you absolutely need childcare. You, you can't be like playing patty cakes with somebody when the motorcycle gang is rolling through your and neighborhood. And children are always first victims and things like this. And finally, number 15, controversial, don't care, a chaplain. You need somebody who's the moral in my case in Shelby's case the Christian spiritual leader and there you have it the 15 jobs and roles at a bug out location there you go so folks we're going to take it into the after show so join us on the other side over there if you're a Patreon if you're not please become one but as always from Benjamin Franklin failing to prepare is preparing to fail have a great week everyone you've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.